It's time for the Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. It's Thursday, August 18th, 2016. We have 16 vessels on today's Columbia River ship schedule. In our marine weather forecast, we have uh, north winds 5 to 10 knots. Going to get a bit windy and gusty in the afternoon, rising to 20 knots. And today we're going to talk with commercial fishermen John Corbin and Scott McMullen about one of my favorite nautical interview topics, and that is seasickness. In fishing, it can be a real deal breaker for people and quite an occupational hazard when you're trying to work at sea. And as someone who myself has been pretty darn seasick at times, I can say that when you're really in the depths of it, somebody comes along and offers to perhaps shoot you and put you out of your misery, you might just take them up on it. So we'll talk a little bit more in a few minutes about seasickness, which uh, is not something anybody really wants to feel. But people do get over it, and we'll hear about that, um, and, and go on to become quite comfortable fishing at sea. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, First of all, uh, let's take a look at our inbounders. We have only one today, and we have nine in the Astoria Anchorage and six outbounders heading downriver and out to sea. Our only arrival today so far, although that could change, the ship schedule is always evolving, is the Pan Amber. She's a bulk carrier arriving from South Korea, headed for Kalama. She could have steel on board, and she will pass Astoria around 10.30 a.m., arriving in Kalama maybe by about 3.30 this afternoon. In the Astoria Anchorage, we have the Ocean Venture heading for Kalama to pick up wheat. She's departing around 4 p.m., probably uh, making it to Kalama by about 9 p.m. The Global Hero is at the port of Astoria loading logs. And we have the rest of our ships are all awaiting orders. They are the Geneva Star, the Andrea, the Coral Garnet, the AOM Molina, the o- Okeanos Bliss, the Saga Beja Flor, and the Spitha. And our outbounders are the Merit Trader, leaving Portland carrying wheat at about 9 a.m., Maybe she'll pass Astoria outbound mid-afternoon around 3 p.m. The Andalusian Zephyr, I love that name, leaving Longview with logs on board. She's a bulk carrier. Around 1.30 p.m., passing Astoria outbound around 7.30 p.m. The Dorado or Dorado leader is leaving Vancouver. She's a car carrier with Subarus on board, leaving around 3 p.m., maybe passing Astoria outbound around 9 p.m. The Saldana is leaving Kalama carrying wheat at about 8.30 p.m., maybe passing Astoria outbound around 1.30 a.m. on Friday. The Sakura Kobe is leaving... Uh, Portland with soda ash on board, leaving around 10 p.m., passing Astoria outbound around 4 a.m. on Friday. And the ANSAC Catherine, American Natural Soda Ash Corporation, leaving Portland with soda ash on board, departing around midnight, passing Astoria outbound around 6 a.m. on Friday. Well, in our marine weather forecast, we have uh, at the mouth of the river, uh, at the Columbia River Bar, we have combined seas three to five feet today. They're going to build to nearly eight feet with breakers likely during those maximum ebb current times. We have one happening um, around 5.15 in the morning today and another one about 12 hours later. Overall in the marine weather forecast, in addition to those gusty winds I mentioned earlier, we have wind waves from the north three feet high at four seconds apart and northwest swells seven feet high at eight seconds. And that eight second interval is the the uh, timing between the wave crests. If you were in a boat, you could count. You could count the timing and get an idea of how far apart, and that's called the wave period. And patchy morning fog is in the forecast. Well, let's hear some more about life at sea, commercial fishing, and that occupational hazard known as seasickness. Well, it seems like the kind of work that you do would be a golden opportunity for seasickness. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, so how... Do you sort of sort people out by that, about how, how well they can handle that kind of thing? It seems like it would be really deadly for some people and that not for others. That can be a, a real factor with some people. 
there there have been people that thought they wanted to do this business and they've gone through and done a, a month worth of gear work getting ready for the season only to go out and get seasick and say i don't like this anymore i've been seasick many times myself i just keep going back but but you know if, with me it's 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 going to be if i haven't been out for a month or something i have that potential of of possibly being seasick um but do you I get over re- it after a while yeah and i finally got to a point of why even fight that i just take a seasick pill if i haven't been out for a long time and then i'm good but um yeah typically it was that first six eight ten hours or whatever not feeling good just work your way through it and then you're you're good and you're you're back on your feet again Hmm. but um seasickness varies i i know one gentleman that that uh, never gets over he's been a commercial crab fisherman for ever and uh he uh never gets over he puts the patches behind the ear and and things and it's just his his livelihood what he's been doing and so he he uh, has learned how to cope with it. What were you going to say, Scott? Well, my experience with crew is that most uh, most of the time, if they did get seasick, and I'd say maybe half didn't get seasick at all, but the ones that did often were in in three days' time they were fine. And we, wow. I was uh, typically shrimping or bottom fishing where we're staying out for four, five, six six day trips, and usually once they got through it, like John said first time then as long as you're staying on the ocean they've kind of got their sea legs and they're used to it and doesn't doesn't bother them anymore so when you bring somebody new then out on a boat do you sort of have to plan that they might not be able to do anything for the first few days you have to kind of plan your plan of attack it's it's common that you know everybody takes up the slack a little bit and you get through it but generally speaking guys get through it and they're able to pull their own load soon enough and trip progresses and pretty soon it's not an issue anymore yeah so fifty-five thousand pounds how much does the average crab weigh i'm just trying to get an idea for people of how many crab are on one they usually say on one average of your boats. about one and three quarter pounds wow up to two pounds if they're nice big full crab wow that's a lot of crab in one that's boat. a lot of crab yeah at a two pound average you're looking at what twenty-seven thousand individual crabs so if you were so we've talked a little bit about the process but so People, you go out there, and essentially it's a hands-on thing. Individual people are making this happen. Then you bring them into, say, a place like Bornstein Seafood. So would one of your boats, say, theoretically, just pull up to the dock and unload it? And so how do they get them out of the boat? Well, they put people down in there, and they throw them uh, one at a time. Wow. Uh, one at a time, They or, or the guys that really have, you know, some of these unloaders that, that the canneries have are real professionals, and they know how to unload a boat in a hurry. And typically they unload about 10,000 pounds an hour. And so um, they can gather them up and throw them. Now, if you're doing the live market, it's a little different, and the crab are chilled down, and they're not they're not grabbing at you and everything. They're, they're just laying dormant, and they stack them one at a time in these totes. Mm. And it takes, it's more like about 5,000 pounds an hour when you're doing the live market. 
And that was commercial fisherman John Corbin, who's fished Pacific Northwest waters for 38 years, and Scott McMullen, also for many years a commercial fisherman, both sharing their experiences with fishing crews and seasickness and other things about life in the Dungeness crab fishery. Scott McMullen, by the way, is chairman of the Astoria-based Oregon Fishermen's Cable Committee, which negotiates agreements with undersea fiber optic cable installers. His work helps ensure that both fishermen and undersea data cables can occupy the ocean floor without conflict. Thanks to both of them for sharing their fishing experiences with us. Tomorrow and Monday, I'll have Ship Report Minutes for you on Coast Community Radio at 8.48 a.m., and I'll return Tuesday with more from my interview about Dungeness Crabbing. You've been listening to The Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. Thanks for listening. You can find a podcast of this program on my website at shipreport.net. Have a great day.